Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Recording. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learnt from it. Howdy doody. Howdy doody, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it without... It sounds Australian. Howdy doody, Julie. How are you doing? Give it a minute. I'll rub off. I can't. Howdy doody, Julie. <laughs> How's one today? Yeah, this week we are going to be talking about art supplies and answering some listener questions and talking about a few art supply fails and sort of wins, I guess, that we also have. But first, how are you, Julie? How are you? Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, slightly lacking in sleep. Alfie started mm. teething, which is mm. fun. Like one down, twenty to go. Oh, <laughs> fun and games. Uh, oh. Um, and I'm I'm sure I have other stuff going on in my life, but it's like that's what takes over. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yes. It's a very hard when you don't ever sleep. It's hard to remember anything else that happens I feel like my to-do list is just getting a bit crazy as well that's the main thing that I feel like this week so I've started eight paintings now oh my gosh just a bit ridiculous there's a lot but I think I need to slow down and just focus on a couple of them because I want to see them progress because having yeah a bunch at the shit stage just is making me feel like none of them are any good which is not a great feeling I think that's why I can't do it that way I can't see see them all at the shit stage at once staring at me because it makes you feel very oh I don't know even one at the shit stage and I'm like that's it I can't paint clearly this is rubbish what am I thinking why why have I chosen this as my vocation look at this and I think the other problem is because I've started working so big so I've had quite a few works this year that are 1.4 meters and bigger I've gone mm-hmm. back to doing a couple that are like one metre by one metre and I'm like, oh, that's so small. 
And it's oh, not. Wow. It's big. It's one beer is my big. Yeah, oh. I haven't really done much bigger than about oh seventy five is sort of my comfort. Mm. Uh, you know, beyond that, I go a little bit out of my comfort zone. Well, just with still life, not other genres, but yeah, if I haven't done bigger than than that still in still life yet. So, the thought of going to one. What's your kind of big one that you're doing at the moment 1.4 by 1.4 but I'm about to start on a 1.75 by 1.75 and I've got another two meters by 1.5 oh my gosh which is so that's a lot of big works and then I went back to work on a one meter one and thought oh not this one's tiny why am I not making progress and I'm like it's because it's actually not that tiny and just go easy on yourself yeah tiny is like 20 centimeters Sometimes I just need to yeah, put things in perspective. And and then, like, I've been really, like, I, I think everyone here's got my love of wanting to start a newsletter and how much I'm sort of starting to want to drift from Instagram. Mm. And so I've thought about writing a newsletter and I've talked about writing a newsletter, but I have not written a single <laughs> newsletter for myself. For, for Flap, I find it really easy, I yeah. think, because it's slightly divorced from me. And, mm. like, my old subscriber newsletter, I literally only sent out whenever I had a new work. For the rest of the year, pretty much, most of my work is going to be saved up yeah. for my solo show. So I need to find a reason to email people just to keep myself, yeah. not super regular because I don't want to spam people, but I'm sure people want to hear about the exhibition and the progress yeah. that I'm making, but I just keep stopping myself. It's you're getting that, oh, no one wants to hear from me. Yeah. I can't think I, of what I know to what you say. mean. I, I, I too feel like I want to kind of, I want to change my newsletter for a start. I want to move it over to Substack like we've done with the Flap news, newsletter. I just really like the way it looks and it seems like you found it really kind of user-friendly. I think I've got this idea that a newsletter is a bit of a spammy, annoying thing that people get in their inbox, yes. whereas I want to move... And it isn't, like, necessarily like that, because yeah. it doesn't... And it doesn't have to be like that, and I want to kind of change my mindset around it mm. and start to see a newsletter more like a kind of intimate way to connect with your collectors beyond the kind of Instagram surface-level post. Like, like you said, with Instagram... And all the changes and all the reach being so low and things like that. Like a newsletter is something you own. It's a really good way to kind of connect with people, and it doesn't have to just be a selling tool. It can just be a connection tool. Yeah. And I think that that's where I would like it to go. But it's just that initial st- first step of, I guess, changing the way you kind of use it. I found it so easy to write the flap newsletter and it was so it's been so much fun and I do find Substack a whole lot easier than MailChimp and Wix to write newsletters Mm. but um well I think the newsletter is we're using it in a way that we should apply that methodology 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 is that a word even methodology (laughs) yeah that one (laughs) sorry Sorry, (laughs) yeah well plus my excuse we should apply that same methodology um (laughs) Oh, God, I'm just going to forget about that. Just gloss over that part. We should apply that same formula to writing our own newsletter because really all we're doing for the flap newsletter is documenting what we've talked about. Yeah. And then, you know, adding images and links and this stuff. Exactly. We're not coming up with content for the newsletter. We're just documenting what we've talked about, which is the same that we could do as far as our creative practice. We could literally just 
use it as a documentation tool we don't have and that's the thing i think where we've both fallen down with it we're thinking of it as a kind of i need to come up with content for a newsletter rather than what am i doing i should just share that rather than thinking about um, only sharing it on instagram double up Mm. and share it in a newsletter and because i've always thought well people don't want to see it twice but one percent of my followers are seeing my posts so they're not seeing it twice most people aren't seeing it at all yeah and if they see it twice well they just Scroll delete past. the email yeah. it's not exactly the end of the world is it i know i think it's i think you're you're absolutely right what it comes down to is i'd need to stop overthinking it <laughs> julia are you an overthinker no <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit oh, anyway so that's that's me in a nutshell too many things yeah too many things what about you mm-hmm. teeth i can see on your list it starts with whittling <laughs> tell, tell me more whittling <laughs> Oh, I just wrote, yeah, We. this is how we, this is what we got to. We used to, when we started this podcast, started recording back, you know, last year, we had like a full script pretty much, didn't we? It's gone through many iterations. We had like a, we had like a yeah, we had like a intro, a beginning, a middle, an end, and all of this. And now we just have like five words. <laughs> My weekend was a funny one. I've sort of finally come out of the COVID fog. My oldest has now got COVID, so he's at home, which is... He's watching a program on how to make swords. <laughs> it's really, it's like, it's like one of the, no, it's not how to make swords. It's like, you know, like Bake Off or those cooking shows. Oh yeah. It's like that, but about swords. So it's all these like amazing geek, geeky guys, like oh, man, men, and they will, they will have to make a sword and then they test the swords on like wooden structures. You never know when <laughs> so, that's going to come in handy. I know, it, but he's so into it and it's so, it was actually quite You should um, like gently guide him towards like making bespoke paintbrushes or. Well, exactly. I feel like he's really into making stuff. He he likes that kind of thing. At, at school, he's been doing carving and things like that. And he he does really like making sweetly things. So I'm, Frames he'll get for your there. paintings. He he can get yeah he can, he'll get there. But he's starting with swords. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Whittling. So my daughter went to a birthday party at the weekend, and the invitation said no no presents um, unless homemade. So, <laughs> but I was also feeling a bit like still quite tired and oh gosh. What can we do for a homemade present? Anyway, my daughter decided that she wanted... She's really into Harry Potter and magic and all of that at the moment. Cute. She's seven. And she said that she wanted to make a wand for her friend. A homemade wand. And we had some wooden dowel that my husband went and bought for this wand. But my daughter insisted that this has to look like a kind of wand from Harry Potter. It can't just be like a stick like we paint which was my original thought <laughs> like here's this here's the piece of dowel paint it stick some glitter on it but she was like no I want it to be shaped like Harry Potter's wand and so then that saw me finding my what's it called not a scalpel we've been there before oh, like a box cutter Stanley a Stanley, Stanley knife Stanley knife yeah. yes why do I always call it a scalpel <laughs> now you get surgery on the brain I just I don't know why so I had to get my Stanley knife and I had to whittle. I had to whittle a wand. <laughs> and I got quite into it. <laughs> um, once I started whittling, I found whittling is actually, it could be, it could be a new, new I, could, I could, I could, I could, I could start whittling. <laughs> I could have a side business where I whittle wands. <laughs> oh dear. 
anyway, she was really happy with the final shape and then, of course, wanted her own wand. So then I had to whittle a second wand and then she painted them. And yeah, That's so really I'll cute. put a picture in the show notes because they are quite cool. And um, she was she was so convinced that it was really real magic. She was like mm. performing spells and I had to like freeze, you know, and she did. The, yeah. She was like, it really works, mum. <laughs> that was so sweet. And I just love it when you like when they're still young enough to be just so into all of that and just oh like she's so into like getting into character and role playing and she's got such a good imagination and she just goes so into character and she's just in the garden That's like so playing this game and just so invested in it and it's just so nice and I'm like oh don't grow up you're so lovely so that was that what else is on my my list energy drink oh that's right <laughs> energy drink oh that's just because i was feeling so unwell and my husband went and bought this disgusting drink that he was like this will make you better it's got all these i don't know minerals and yucky stuff but it was like purple grape flavor which is the most disgusting mm. flavor in the world and you have to like mix it up into a powder this and it's really drink it. involved for an energy drink it's not an energy drink. It's from the health shop. He went to the health shop mm. and got some sort of like recovery, you know, like because I was really struggling to get better, you know, like get my energy back and stuff. And I've been so I've been drinking that and it's disgusting. But I do. I have found that I have started to feel better. So, yes, my husband was right. And I'm feeling a bit better. But yeah, my my word of the year was abundance. And I <laughs> was saying to you. I was saying to you the other day, like, hmm, not sure. When I, like, asked the universe for abundance, I was quite clear and sort of specific <laughs> enough. I didn't really mean, like, abundance of everything, like illness and cyclones and all of the things. I kind of, I just sort of was wanting, like, money. <laughs> like, <laughs> and good stuff. So, um, going to have a little reset today. And after this, we, we have to actually, I have to, be mindful of the time so I'm going to stop waffling. I'm going straight to meet my friend and we're having a a friend of hers is going to do a singing bowl sound healing thing with us which is like so woo woo and I just am so excited (laughs) (laughs) and look at your face you're like no what is that? I'm like remain (laughs) open-minded. So I'm gonna have to yeah so this is I'm gonna take my abundance to the singing bowl sound healing Anyway, I'm going to have to realign my abundance intention, my word for the year, and I'm going to try to shift away from like things negative happening and try to get some more positivity in my life through through some woo woo. So I'll Good report back. That. I'll report back. But yeah, that's that's where I'm up to. <laughs> Fun times. Yeah. Right, well, maybe you'll end up with an abundance of art supplies, which is. Yes. I'm just going to... Well, I think I've already... I've probably already got the, the abundance of... <laughs> Hook us back around to our topic today. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I've got quite a few questions to answer. And it's in, I guess it's interesting for me and you, we have... Although both of us paint and paint sort of, at the moment, realistic subject matter, we use very different mediums. So, mm. yeah, I feel like it's quite going to be quite interesting because we have a different take on materials and... You paint with oils, Julie, yep. and I paint with acrylics. So tell me, how, why did you choose oils? Uh, I don't 
don't know that I ever really thought about it that much. So I started using oils when I was in high school and then I just really never stopped. And so I've tried a couple of times, not many, to use acrylics and I've always just found the fact that they dry so quickly doesn't work for me. Like I find the slowness of oils and being able to push them around and the malleability of it works for how I work. Mm. So it's just been something that I've kept on. And then I've just fallen in love with them as a medium. So I love Mm. the way they feel and I love the mediums and I just keep progressing just keep using them what about you why why acrylics well I think it's probably a similar reason for as you I I don't think it's a case of like it was ever a choice it was just when I was at high school oils weren't an option I was just only shown how to use acrylic paint um and then you know that was my that was literally my only formal training as far as using a material paint it's interesting because I look at you like I look at you when you're using acrylic and how quickly it dries and I see that as a real asset for some like I look at how quickly I'm like oh that would be really great I should try it and then I just think oh no I'm too well exactly I've tried I really want like I think if I had been shown oils early on by someone who knew what they were doing I think probably I would have been like you and I would have chosen them over acrylics because there's a lot about acrylic that does frustrate me but it's like oh you know learning to drive a automatic over a stick Mm. shift like if you've only learned one way it's like the thought of having to try and learn another way would it kind of feels like oh well I already know how to drive and and I'm only going to use an automatic so why would I bother learning stick shift you know it just it sort of feels like a bit of effort that I have to and I've tried I have tried recently like so the past year I've bought oil paints and I've bought all the mediums and I've tr- painted a couple of paints in with oil paint but it feels clumsy and it and it feels it does feel like I'm pushing a boulder uphill mm. at this stage because I don't have the skills in using them because I haven't practiced enough you know I'd have to stop kind of almost creating entirely I feel like I'd need to take six months off yeah and just practice and practice and practice I think that's what puts me off as well so I'm at the stage now where I don't actually think about my process and so I get no. asked quite often on Instagram oh, how have you done this or what do, and I just think oh, I don't I don't have a set I just go like it's yeah. always just a uh, muscle memory yeah, almost intuitive. I don't yeah, yeah it's yeah, very yeah. and I think if I was starting with a new medium now I'd have to actually think about it and that would slow yeah. me down and I that's exactly yeah. it. I mean that's it it's it would it's like it would be like learning a it's like learning a whole new language and instead of just having like when I paint with acrylics, it's like talking. I don't think about the, you know, language. I just yeah. use it. Whereas if I was going to use oils, it would be like, right, okay, I'm learning a whole new language now. I have to think about the how am I going to do this? Like, what am I going to, you know, if I was speaking French, I'd have to think about the words I'm using. And I, when I was doing the paintings that I've done in oils, I have found myself trying to use them the same way that I use acrylics, and it doesn't work. So yeah. that's the bit that I fall down on because I I automatically try like try to use it in the same way, and they're not the same. Yeah. So then, and it just is a, such a much slower process, even though I love some of the properties of oil paint. Like when I have slowed down and really focused and you know tried to do certain things with blending, and I I, I can see that there is. It's so much more effective, some of the techniques that I would use using oils. Mm. 
So part of me, I think, moving forward, would like to combine them and do perhaps all the underpainting in acrylic. Yeah. And then the top layer in oils. I think that that is somewhere where I'd like to go. But I, and that's probably where I'll move into. So I've just started using Gamblin's got a paint range called Fast Matte. I put it in my recommendations in the newsletter last week. Okay. And so they're like an acrylic that you can use for the, um, but they're really good for painting on top of with oils. And they dry quite quickly. Painting so, on top of oils? For, to paint with oils on top of. So for my oh, okay. for my ground, so that initial layer that I oh, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. just one colour, I've been using that because they dry literally oh, within okay. 24 hours, which is great because I any shortcut I can take yeah, time-wise yeah, yeah. is fantastic. And then I think I'm actually considering buying a few more because I've only got two or three colours in that range and yeah. doing the full underpainting in the fast mat. Yeah, yeah. Just to yes. speed it up a tiny bit. I, I think this is it. I think this is where I haven't explored enough and I think that perhaps I there is a sort of best of both worlds. Mm. Like the properties of acrylic provide that speed. Even though it says speed, I still paint really, really slowly. But I don't think actually the initial layers are slow. And it's, it's, it's the top layer that's slow. Waiting for, for that drop, for the paint to dry, that is the slow bit with oil. Oh my gosh, yeah. I think the actual, you know, the process of putting the paint on the canvas... That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about speed. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I tend to want to do a sort of, because I think we're both probably quite similar in the way we work in that we don't, we do multiple layers to create the final image. And that's always, that's that's always been the way I've worked is Mm. to do at least, you know, three layers, three passes. I don't know what you'd call it, but yeah, like undercoat layer and then like rough blocking out of all the yeah. tonal values and then sort of a first layer of detail and then a final layer of detail kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or those last two layers could be in oils. I think maybe I would find myself getting less frustrated with some of the properties of acrylic. Yeah. Well, it be interesting when you when we finally get to catch up, um, you yeah. can play around with could some of mine. a lesson. Oh, not, not a lesson. I think just being able to use someone else's <laughs> materials because that's half the is knowing what to buy because just buying mm. a full set of something when you're not sure how it feels is, I think, the, it, it's also, you know, yeah. vulnerable in an well, economic sense yeah. as well. Yeah, I did do that. I did buy quite a few oils last year and then ruined quite a few brushes <laughs> as well. Uh, oh, I was surprised, actually, the other day when you took that big peony painting off the stretcher bars and rolled it up and chipped it because I was like wait didn't she just finish that like a week ago it felt really quick that you were able to do that is that because like yeah I always thought it was like sort of months of drying before you could if you're gonna do a I forgot what the varnish is called like a proper layer of varnish you should technically let your painting cure for like six months but because mm. I use a retouch varnish or a gambar varnish, you can put apply that once your painting is dry to the when there's yeah. no longer any soft bits. And because I build up my layers really thinly, they actually mm. dry quite quickly. And so the last couple of layers that I do is usually really, really thin, a combination of resin and solvent sometimes. And I try and... Resin? When you say resin, what do you mean by uh, resin? So some of the mediums are resin-based and so... Neomeglip, which is a gambling medium, and Langridge has a oil painting medium, a low solvent one, and I also use number four medium. They're all slightly resin based. I'll... Okay, and what's the point of that? So it speeds up your drying time. 
so it thins out the paint so you can get really fine detail and you don't have that sort of dragging sensation but it also dries quite quickly so usually so especially like number four medium or fatty medium it's got lots of different names or liquid is it's also it's all quite um they are quite toxic and very smelly but it does allow you allow your work to dry quite quickly so usually those top couple of layers when i'm doing like a really thin wash of um, shading or adding really fine detail mm-hmm. it doesn't actually take that long to dry so when you say not that long mm, what's like your 70, version of not long 72 hours 72 hours yeah. okay that is quick yeah. yeah see in my head and I think this is where it's easy to kind of trip yourself up with false knowledge like I always sort of thought quite black and white about acrylics and oils that's that oils take months to dry not and acrylics take hours and yeah. so in my mind, it's like, oh, why would I want to use oils? Because I can't, I can't bear to wait months for something to dry, you know? So it's really interesting to hear your method. Yeah. And there's actually a kind of way around that. I mean, back when I, when I was at uni, we used like, we made up our own mediums using like a mixture of solvent and Damar varnish and I forget what the last one was. And they were quite sticky and slow to dry. But these days there are a lot of mediums both, they call them toxic and not toxic, but that's not really technical. Sort of solvent-based and not solvent-based. Yeah, thank you. That's yes. probably a better description. My brain is not quite working today. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> and they do speed your drying time quite a lot. When I'm working inside, I use uh, solvent-free mediums, which mm-hmm. just means like a house doesn't smell like solvent. And there's yeah. so many great alternatives these days. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But you, your usual practice would be for those top layers to have a solvent-based or resin-based medium you can kind of see from looking at it it's very it's not it's not heavily textured there's not like it's not there's no kind of thick layers of paint showing up on um, like some people obviously do do quite a lot of thick kind of noticeable brush strokes and things and you can't get mediums that'll age you with that as well but that's not the look that I'm going for so Mm. have you had any big um fails in the materials department well I mean I have played with a lot of different mediums <laughs> and so I probably spent a lot of money on different mediums in the past well since I started painting again so when, when was that 2018 how many years ago is that Julie <laughs> I'm God. doing it on my fingers <laughs> five yeah so probably I would hate to add up in the last five years what I've spent mm. on materials because I kind of went into that like almost manic exploration phase where I I got really um, like started off with alcohol inks and you know they're not that cheap and I got really like addicted to buying them and like buying every single color and getting all of them and different brands and and the paper UPO paper that you use for that that's not cheap so that I was buying lots of that and all the different varnishes and fixatives that you needed for that and then moved into resin and then obviously resin is really expensive and I, I'm talking about resin as in the one where you pour the catalyst and the um I didn't realize how expensive it was until you were saying the other week oh it's so expensive like it's like liquid gold I tell you honestly it's so expensive and not only that but when I when I decided to get into the resin you need to get all the you know the, the PPE gear so like mm. the, the mask and those have filters and those need to be changed every you know couple of months and you know the whole mask situation I think I bought at least two masks I had to buy um 
heat guns. You had to use a heat gun. Yeah, so and the heat guns, I mean, they're like, oh God, I can't even remember, like 40, 50 bucks a pop. And I must have burnt through like, oh, I'd hate to think, like at least five heat guns oh, really? in the two years. That wow. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just used to, they <laughs> like, they'd just die. I, I, I overused them, you know, and then the, mm. whatever, the fuse would go or the, the, the actual turning on and off button, I would resin that shut because <laughs> um, I'm not very good at being clean and so then I would have sticky resin that would then cure and then the thing would be sh- I couldn't turn it on again oh gosh so much material so many materials that went before you even created the resin art and then then obviously moved on from that I think I went and bought lots of things like oil pastels and oil sticks and because I really got into like mixed media and bought like you know, like a gel jelly plate, which you can do printing from, printing ink. Oh my god, I can't even mm. into like the amount of different like gouache, 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 gouache. No, 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 gouache. That watercolors got bought a load of those. I mean, I just w- wanted to try everything because I think I didn't do formal training beyond high school. I kind of was like, well, I just don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm into. So I wanted to try everything to to find the one. And then the one ended up being back to acrylic paint, which is what I learned at school. So that's my fail, probably, that I spent a lot of my... I mean, not a fail, because... It's just part I, of the exploration. I did the same. Exactly. I had to buy a lot of materials. I had to try a lot of materials. But I sometimes go in my studio and sort of see these boxes of things kind of staring at me reproachfully. Like I've sent you yeah. some of my old materials. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think I've used them. No. I went through this stage back when I think when I was first pregnant with Theo but even before then I was I wanted to make my practice as environmentally friendly as possible and so I was I decided I was going to make paints out of pigment and blend them all myself and I just didn't like it just was never going to be anyway so I had like 12 boxes of you sent me those pigments that I sent to Phoebe yeah and then I've used them for some art that I now no longer do (laughs) But it's also, this, like, I get, like, super invested in things. I'm going to do yeah. lino printing, so then I'd buy all of the lino printing yeah. gear and then... Yeah, yeah, been there, done that, mm. got the T-shirt. Yeah. You've got to try these things, and I think perhaps I needed to have been a little bit, like, more mindful of, like, only buying a few things and then trying them rather than, like, I tend to go a bit all in. Yeah, we're a bit <laughs> similar that way. <laughs> I go all in and then think, this is it, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And then after, like, a couple of months go, oh, no, actually, I'm not sure this is. <laughs> oh. so, but, um, but the good news is I've got lots of nice things in my studio that, like, uh, you know, if the kids ever want to do stuff, I can be like, oh, I've got some materials here you can use and I'm not mm. precious about them. And, yeah, but as far as other fails probably at the beginning of painting and things I but again it was a a stage thing like I didn't invest in the best quality canvas things like that but then I think well I I'm glad I didn't because I think if I had invested I didn't have them you know the funds to invest in really really expensive canvas and if I had I probably would have been then too scared to experiment and play and now much more mindful about the type of canvas I use. I, I really like painting on board, if mm. I'm honest. Uh, I, I really like painting on a very flat, smooth surface, but board is very expensive to ship. Bulky, it's big, you know, you can't, beyond a certain size, it's impossible to send to anyone. It's just 
physically too big and heavy, even though I really, really love it. It's taken quite a long time to try and find an alternative that I like enough to paint on. And I have now found a canvas, a particular canvas, that is a very fine weave. So now I have found a smooth canvas. I either buy the pre-stretched canvases from Gordon Harris through a company called Stretched With Love and they do a heavy sort of heavier weave or a very fine smooth weave canvas and that they're made in Auckland they're they're really well made canvases like I know a lot of people like don't like buying pre-made canvases and like there's a bit of I don't know snobbery in some people um who I remember once like doing a video where I you know unwrapped a canvas and and then put it on the wall and getting some messages from people like oh you don't make your own canvases you know like oh really yeah real sort of snobby kind of like yeah. a real artist would never paint on a pre-stretched canvas kind of thing <laughs> I was just like oh, oh wow some mean ideas bye bye actually I know a yeah. few artists in New Zealand who use that same brand and that always yeah. comes really highly recommended yeah well so I you know I think I think Helen Dean mentioned that she used them you can buy them through Gordon Harris or you, you can contact the person directly and they can do bespoke sizes um, which is really nice and so it's like a it's a locally owned and operated company with with an actual person making these canvases it's not they're not factory produced or anything like that they're Mm -hmm. made by hand that's why it's called stretched with love I guess and they are really really I've found like good quality they're not you know they're not cheap but they're they're worth the price you know they're not ridiculously expensive either they're just like a really fair I think price for what you get and this particular one with the smooth weave um it's pre-gessoed and it's really nice because there's very limited amount of weave showing through when you paint it's very flat and nice that's so interesting because I love a weave that's why I use I use a really heavy linen like I think it's it's just personal preference I I just it's again I I think perhaps it goes back to my um, textile design printing days because mm. I printed onto um, very fine, finely weaved fabric. I did screen printing onto fabric, and so my images were very crisp and very precise, and built up in layers. And I think that that's just now integral to my process of creating work in layers and liking to have a very flat, sort of smooth image. It it kind of harks back to the way that I was it's trained. Very interesting. You know, I think yeah. it has had an influence. I, I kind of used to think, oh, God, what was the point of doing that textile design degree? It was a waste of time. And it's... But it has obviously influenced my process yeah. and the way I like to have a finished look. On the other, if I do stretch my own canvas, canvas, then I tend to use this one called Frederick's Primed Cotton Knicker. <laughs> it's called Knicker Fabric. <laughs> it's a little bit funny. <laughs> so I don't know why that... Just don't know why it's called knicker, but it is. Um, and that is a kind of very fine textured sort of, and it says excellent for detail work because, and it's got this very smooth finish, um, which I really like. And that's just, again, personal preference, complete personal preference. And obviously, you have a completely different personal preference. Mm. So, what do you think your biggest challenge has been, then, Julie? I think some of my biggest challenges 
um, has been finding the right linen. So buying linen in New Zealand has proved to be quite expensive. And I used to buy it in Australia whenever I was there. There's a couple of really great places like Fitzroy Stretches where I've gotten my linen from in the past. But then sometimes carting a 2.1 metre roll of linen home has its challenges because you've got to make sure yeah. it fits in your car on the other end and then trying to transport that with kids and mm, gosh so I try yeah. and ship it home when I can but I haven't actually yeah. been over to Oz that much in the last few years and during COVID I then had to try and find somewhere that would ship it to me mm. and will they not no they, not they, many companies ship I managed to get Fitzroy stretches to send it to me a couple of times and then I think in general I think they prefer to stay within Australia mm. I've got stuff from Jackson's a few times which has been actually really good and I was not that surprised yeah canvas all the way from England Mm -hmm. that it cost me less to ship from England than to buy from within New Zealand which I don't love like I'd obviously prefer in terms of footprint wise to buy locally but sometimes it's just not possible when it's when it's like a thousand dollars in difference you've got to do what you've got to do oh my gosh I think when it's a hundred dollars in difference yeah (laughs) And I think if I could buy pre-made linen canvases here, I probably would, but I haven't found a supplier that wasn't more expensive that I could stomach. Yeah. And because yeah. I know how to make my own, I do save quite a lot of costs there because I ship so much internationally where I roll them that I keep reusing the same stretcher bars and just re-stretching yeah. my linen onto it. And so can I ask why in particular linen is your go-to? Is that, is that a, is there a reason beyond other than that's what you were taught? to use or I was taught on cotton canvas for me I just love the texture of it more than anything any other reason and it's a quality of the Mm. material as well it's a bit heavier I just think for the amount that I'm sending my works I should be using the best quality product that's going to be the longest lasting and more more durable and yeah I wonder if I would be interested to try a linen but I just assumed that there wasn't going to be one that had a fine enough weave so I've got um, some fine weave linen that I can send you actually because I one of my mishaps was that I ordered a bunch of linen that I hadn't actually seen and tried and I've got one that's really fine which I don't like so oh yeah I'll buy it off you thank you I'll send some to you you can see if you like it first okay have you got a big roll of it yeah huge (laughs) oh yeah no send me a scrap and I'll um have a go or maybe had more than a scrap <laughs> <laughs> you sent me enough 30 centimeters of thing yeah it's quite new to me trying trying different substrates um to paint on beyond board and so i do want to do more like you sort of reusing the frames that i've got once i've sent these pieces rolled and it just seems silly to kind of keep buying pre-stretched canvas if i've got frames yeah absolutely um, and i did try to teach myself to stretch <laughs> I did have a fail actually last year when I stretched a canvas I think it was about like 1.2 by 90 and I was so proud of myself for stretching it and I you know because I bought the tools and everything and then I <laughs> picked it up off the floor and realized I had stretched it back yeah. to front so the gesso <laughs> side was on the inside of the frame Uh, no (laughs) and I had to then have this dilemma of like what do I do do I just leave it and then can I be bothered unpicking it but no I did I I unpicked it and it took ages (laughs) so my recent um materials dilemma is so I bought these really great canvas stretching pliers like eight years ago I wanted to buy a second pair because this pair is starting to wear out what I like about them is that the clip holds so you right. can actually attach it to your linen, stretch it over the corner of the stretcher mm. bars, and then you can lock it in place. 
so then I have two hands free to staple yeah because that's what I found really hard is the the one-handed stapling (laughs) but I think they might be discontinued so I've had a bunch of people doing some sleuthing from me because I put an image up of them on Instagram and so I've got one person asking at the wholesaler if they're available anymore and other people sent me a bunch of suggestions of similar what 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 about taking them to like a engineery sort of place and saying can you fix these I might have so, to yeah the old-fashioned way yeah you know, when you repair things okay so julie where where do you order most of your art supplies from then and what's your kind of favorite so go-to? when i when i can and so i tend to do a big stock up whenever i'm in oz i love a brand called language which is an australian made um, and they make the most beautiful oil colours and pigments. And mm-hmm. so they're my favourite oil colours to buy at the moment. And they make really great mediums as well. They've got a, a brand, a range of low toxic painting mediums. But their their oil glazing medium is really lovely. So whenever mm-hmm. I can, I buy that. And I've bought it through French Art Supplies in New Zealand as well. It's just a bit more expensive. So, but sometimes that's... What about like online? Do you buy, Can you buy online yeah. from Australia and get it shipped over here? Or You can. I think often I've bought them through Jackson's again. So mm. Jackson's stock. Can I ask, is there a problem with getting things like solvent-based stuff sent into New Zealand? Yeah, there can be. Um, so I've often just got to uh, pay the extra and buy them through a local supplier rather than right. getting the solvent stuff shipped internationally because a lot of people, you can't, I think, sometimes. Yeah, like add it to cart even. I think I've yeah, experienced that before. they won't let you. Yeah. Um, but you can buy some of their stuff in some places in um, around New Zealand. And I also mm-hmm. really like the Gamblin brand is really lovely. So I buy that often and I often just keep an eye out, wait till somewhere's on sale and stock up on my favourite colours and buy a couple of extras. Mm-hmm. So so you in New Zealand you said the French art supply French store is art where you go. And Takapuna art store I buy a lot from as well. So especially yeah. they stock a lot of the Gamblin range and Seymour Art Supplies stocks a lot of the brushes and the brush cleaner that I use a lot. And she's been really good mm-hmm. to try and source random materials for me. Yeah, so and she also provided um, a lovely selection of art supplies for our giveaway recently. So yes. should definitely give her a little shout out because that was so generous. Yeah, it was amazing. I've often gone to her to see if I could get specialty products in. So she's tried to source linens for me in the past and just has really wonderful one-on-one service. And I know if I need something quickly like mm. a solvent or a um, brush cleaner, she sends it really quickly. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I buy a lot of my stretcher bars and stuff either through Seymour Art Supplies or Gordon Harris just because they ship so quick. So yeah. that's always been great. Mm-hmm. What about you? Cool. What are your favourites and where do you buy them from? So for acrylic paints, I tend to use, there's a brand, Golden Paints, and uh, or Liquitex paints. They're my sort of two pretty much go-tos, um, really, and I buy the golden paint through Gordon Harris, again, like you, and that's also where I buy my canvas. As far as Liquitex goes, I can actually buy that locally at the warehouse stationery, believe it or not, which, oh, awesome. um, which is like a stationery store which sells all sorts of random stuff, but they happen to sell Liquitex paint. The, the heavy body paint in particular is the one that I use, and that's like a, a high-quality high uh, you know like it's not a student grade it's a really nice quality paint yeah and they often do like buy two get one three free or oh, awesome. like 20 percent off deals so I tend to wait for those um, sales and go locally there and it's quite nice because I can actually choose the colors you know rather than online 
Mm. It's quite nice to be able to see the colour. Yeah. Unscrew the lid and have a little look. Double check. Also, Spotlight, which is a New Zealand kind of like a haberdashery kind of Mm. homeware store. But they also do craft supplies and art supplies. And they do do sell Liquitex paint as well and ink and things like that. So I have bought the Liquitex from there for underpainting and things like that the student grade of the Liquitex sort of basics range. Uh, they come in quite big, big tubes and those are really reasonable if you buy them through Spotlight. Takapuna Art Supplies, yeah, again, I've used those to buy gambling, um, varnish and mediums and stuff of when I've been experimenting with oil painting. Well, we've got a few listener questions here. So should we burn through those oh sure okay so the first question is are all brushes the same does quality matter so i mean it does and it doesn't i mean you can only afford what you can afford Mm. i've obviously over the years built up quite a big collection of brushes and i've got i do have a range of expensive brushes and cheap brushes and i find that probably every six months or so i buy a small stash of cheap brushes Mm. because they tend to they don't last as long and i do try and look after my brushes and clean them use a brush restorer on them and they do if you look after them they will last even the cheaper ones will last a reasonable amount but I just find the better made ones last longer they're usually a bit nicer to use they don't lose as many hairs they hold a bit more paint sometimes which is really handy so you know you get what you pay for I think when you're starting out like it's fine to buy a cheaper quality brush Um, but I found like the the student grade quality paint brushes that I've bought like the Da Vinci range of student grade brushes that I've got from Gordon Harris have been really great and they haven't I've never really found them to lose lose any bristles or anything like that and for acrylic painting particularly they are they're fine I do think brush cleaner is a bit of a lifesaver Mm. and definitely something that I don't think any artist should go without so we there's a couple that I use there's a there's a bar Da Vinci soap bar one or there's the is Chroma. it Chroma? Yeah, yeah, I love that Chroma one. Brush cleaner. That's also really really good. Trickel also has a really good brush restorer. A brush restorer. Yeah. Okay. What does the what's the difference between cleaner and a restorer? So once you've cleaned your brushes, you dip them in the restorer and just leave a Ooh. yeah and makes them nice and soft and pliable again. Ooh. It's it's good okay. for them like a conditioning treatment for them almost. Oh, nice. <laughs> like a bit of a pro-vitamin injection like using a conditioner in your hair almost I found that with my big brushes which are my biggest expense when I'm doing cloud work and backgrounds and stuff Mm. um, I've just found Jackson's does a range that go up to like a size 20 which is quite reasonably priced Mm. just because I find sometimes I need to have a few on the go and I love the Escoda range Escoda yeah but um, the Jackson's range has actually been really good so their own home brand I've I haven't you like done huge amount with oil paint like I say but I did have um, a few makeup brushes that I used for like doing the backgrounds and whilst they didn't last um, beyond sort of like <laughs> a few uses that just because I think when I clean them the or like yeah the solvent like obviously dissolved the glue in the because mm. the makeup brushes are not designed to be used with solvent <laughs> obviously real paint brushes would be so they would withstand that solvent but yeah, when I cleaned them, the the glue obviously did disintegrate in them, and the hairs started to shed after about the third use. But for that initial first use, they were great. So if 
and I think I've using them for acrylic paint where you don't need to use like a solvent or anything like that that can be a really good option it does you know can play around you can try different things I've used like those sponges that makeup sponges those are quite good as well for blending um, paint you know there's such a huge range if I was going to invest money somewhere I think I would spend it probably put it in a hierarchy of Mm. paint surface paint brushes and I'd rather have like three good quality paintbrushes and then a bunch of student grade paintbrushes yeah. then go out and spend money on like 20 expensive paintbrushes yeah, but then have nothing left to spend on paint so yeah you know I talk, I tend to buy an expensive paintbrush like once every six months I might invest in a more expensive one and then in between times just the student ones are fine so far yeah good <laughs> Is there any medium medium that you feel absolutely hopeless at? I don't think I'm brilliant at watercolour. Neither. It's not my... It's too... It's um, not watery. <laughs> but it's also once it's down, it's fixed. You can't yeah. move it around or paint over it or... It's not malleable I mean, you enough. Can, you can layer it. Um, I think the thing with watercolour is it's a kind of backwards medium. It's like a... It's like you have to think in terms of the value in the opposite way so you need to leave the lighter areas and then build up the dark areas and I tend to work in the opposite way when I'm painting is that I would put the dark values down first and then finish with the light values and mm. so it's a kind of swapping and yeah, my mind I always find I yeah I get to yeah I'm not I've got them and I kind of don't hate them but no, they're not. It's not for me. I don't even own any watercolors. I just know, like, I've used them once in the past, and just it doesn't feel. I, I admire people that can do it because I. Yeah, I, can't. I think if you can do it well, mm. oh, the results are just absolutely stunning. Um, but it's just like, yeah, not not something that I want to spend any amount of time learning enough. Yeah. About oil sticks and how long they need to dry, can you still use an isolation coat? This I, I'm going to throw this to you only because it's, I haven't used oil sticks since I was at high school. So for those people who don't know, an oil stick is kind of like compromised of oil paint and a kind of mineral wax squashed together to create like almost like a large kind of crayon, crayon, which is different from an oil pastel. Oil pastels don't really ever cure or dry as the same whereas an oil stick is a bit like oil paint where it can, it will eventually cure it says on the selenia website the paint applied from an oil stick dries within two to five days depending on layer thickness and atmospheric conditions a clear medium is available for allowing transparency and glazing effects to be achieved so i think you can buy a specific medium that goes with oil sticks from Selenia. Why can't I say that word? (laughs) You can buy a clear medium from Selenia, the website. It does say here, though, once dry, the paint may be varnished like conventional oil paint after a minimum minimum drying period of six months using an oil paint finishing varnish. So there's a difference between, I guess, a kind of curing officially and just drying to touch. Drying to touch can be two to five days drying officially could be six months and again it depends on the thickness that you've used the oil stick um an isolation coat 
I think it will depend on what you what you mean by an isolation coat and what what type of isolation coat you're using. Um, an isolation coat usually in acrylic painting would be like a GAC 100, basically like almost like a binder medium, a paint binder that allows you, you to kind of isolate that one layer and then paint on top without the bottom layer kind of being affected. So it's different from varnish because paint can adhere to the isolation coat easily, mm. where, whereas varnish is like a protective layer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about using an isolation coat on top of a dry oil stick. If it were me, I would probably use the oil stick last, allow it to dry fully, and then use an oil-based varnish. I would think that if you're going to try and use an isolation coat, you'd probably want to experiment to see whether or not it works or chips off or not. Mm. Like, yeah, There's not any information about that on the website, so it's not something I think you can know. I think, um, so another good thing just to note on this is, so like Phoebe's just done, going to the supplier of the materials you're using for information is usually a really good bet. Jackson's has a really good blog with lots of advice as well and then I've got a book that I got when I was at uni that I still refer to all the time called the artist's handbook of materials and techniques that's Mm -hmm. got so much useful information and diagrams and Mm -hmm. explanatory terms and a lot of the questions that came up I thought oh I should I didn't actually go out and get the book because it was raining this morning but (laughs) it's one of those things that has a lot of really useful information if you prefer a book than googling stuff so just to throw that out there yeah, but like Julie said, just every every paint brand will have its own website. That brand will have a website. Uh, you know, Liquitec, Golden, they all have their own website. Mm. And usually in that website, there's a frequently asked questions page or a contact us page where you could put the question to that person. So rather than guess, you know, go out there and ask because um, usually they will get back to you or have something on that frequently asked questions page that answers what you're because wondering. sometimes the questions, like the answers are going to be different depending on what brand you're using. So some, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Can you address gesso and primer and whether both are needed or just gesso? So uh, I could be wrong here, but my understanding is that gesso is a primer. So yeah. I think they're one and the same. There's a really good Jackson's article about priming and gessoing and all that sort of stuff. So I I might attach that in the show notes just for anyone Mm. who wants to know more. Also on that, because there are lots of different types of primers. So there's oil-based primers, acrylic-based primers, and how much you need to use and how many coats to do and whether you need to use a... So before priming, there's a process called... When I can't think of it. So there's priming and what's the other one? Where you use the glue, what's that called? Sizing. Sizing, yes. So when you're preparing a canvas, you, there's for some, with some gessos, you yeah, need to rabbit, size. So, rabbit glue. You used to have to use rabbit glue, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, these days, In most people days. would just use a, a PBA, a pH neutral PBA to size. And then some gessos don't need that. So every gesso or primer is going to have a different process. And so I can't give you a straight-up answer. And you might ask three different artists and get three different answers for that one. So it depends on yeah. the materials that you're using. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of why I'm a, I'm quite lazy, <laughs> generally, as a person. And um, I, I don't really like doing boring, menial tasks. So that's why I tend to choose these stretched-with-love canvases because they come 
pre-gessoed um, and they're really well gessoed I've found um, to the point where I don't need to do any more layers of gesso on them I find that if I do do more layers of gesso that leaves brush marks that I don't like um, whereas they must spray them or something with gesso so it's a very very even coat of of you know gesso and so I just then do a ground of um, coloured undercoat which is for me enough and it gives it's a beautiful surface and it's I, I just don't feel the need to add any more layers of gesso yes. to one of the other so questions you, later yeah. on was is there any advantage of gessoing your own canvas or buying the already gessoed one and like Phoebe just said sorry I cut you off there. um she doesn't need to gesso hers because she's buying them from a really well-made supplier who has done a, you know a a good that's job of taking that step away you know like that's just one step less that I need to do but and I, I'd rather spend that money you know on that person yeah. on that company Doing having done that job not yeah. all are going to be like that though so that no. is why from why people will gesso their own canvas is because the pre-gessoed ones sometimes they're just for cost effectiveness the company's will have used a thinned down gesso or a type of gesso that you might not like. It might be an acrylic based and maybe you want an oil based gesso. Mm. So again, it comes down to that personal preference. So you've kind of yeah. got to figure out what you like working on and then. And where you want to spend your money because at the yeah. end of the day, it's you and time. Are either spending that. Yeah. Your money and your time. So you're, mm. you're either spending that money on the product arriving pre-done or you're buying the gesso and then you're using two hours of your time. So Either way, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. Yeah. Like, you you know, it's, it's all going to come out and boil down to the same thing in the end of the day. Um, and some people will like to add gesso that is coloured, like um, Matisse do a lovely um, coloured gesso range. Mm. I recently bought a really bright yellow one, um, which I was going to try out just to see, because um, I quite like painting on a warm ground and I... I thought, well, I'll just have a go with the... So I might try that on the canvas that you sent me, Julie, cool. because that's going to be... I think imagining. they're... No, they're pre-gessoed. Oh. But they, they do need... The ones I'm sending another you, like, they do need another coat. What tool did Phoebe use back in her landscape days to add fun random marks? The tool I think you're talking about is called a Catalyst Wedge by Princeton. And we can put that in the show notes. And that is a sort of silicone, silicon, 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 silicon. Oh my god! <laughs> you have a real for pronouncing things. Oh my gosh! I say a lot of words in my head, and I don't need to ever check if I can say them right out loud. Do you know? Whenever I see your name written down, I think Foeb. No, Foeb. <laughs> it's silent O. The amount of people that message me and get the E and the O around the wrong way. It's O first. It's O E. <laughs> Silent O, Phoebe. Uh, um, anyway, I used the, a silicone, silicon, how do you say it? Silicone. But I'm Australian, so With all my vowels are weird. Cone. Silicone. Yeah. Silicone. Okay. Silicon. It's made of silicon. It's, it's, it's um, flexible. It's called a catalyst wedge. Do cheap paints fade over time? Is it paramount to buy quality? Acrylic paint won't fade over time, I don't think. It's a plastic-based paint. Um, 
I wouldn't imagine it would fade over time, but I don't know. That's not something I know. Again, that would be a go to the supplier and have a look at the archival quality on their website of their paint. Um, is it Paramount to buy quality? If so, I'll I'll let Julie answer um, as far as oil paint goes. I'll answer as far as acrylic paint goes. The the thing with acrylic paint is, and the way I've described this in the past is that acrylic paint is basically made of a pigment and a binder, um, a, like a water-based binder. And the way I sort of have described this is that if you imagine to on a on a macro level, if you were zooming in on the paint, uh, if you imagine a bowl and you put marbles in the bowl and the, the marbles are the pigment, right? And then if you were to pour like honey or something sticky all over those marbles, that's like the binder that holds those marbles together, uh, those, those pigment balls together, right? So that's just a visual for your head. Um, now, if I'm buying a student grade cheaper paint, there is going to be less pigment to binder and it's going to be smaller cheaper quality pigment and more binder so it might look in the tube to be a bright blue but when you paint it on your surface you will notice it's got a kind of thinness um, and that binder which appears sort of um, opaque actually will dry translucent much like pva glue if you look in a bottle of pva glue it's white and you spread it out and then it dries and it's clear so all binders of acrylic paint are um, white when wet and clear when dry and so the amount of that binder is going to affect the color uh, when it's you know when you're looking at it on your palette as to, opposed to when it's dry on your painting so Basically, it's sort of like a, you're buying a kind of watered down version when you're buying a cheaper paint. So you're going to need to use more of it to get the same effect. Whereas if you buy a expense, more expensive, like artist quality paint, you're getting a much more concentrated version of that paint. Um, my opinion, when you're starting out and you want to just play and you want to just learn how to use a medium, um, I think great go for cheap paint just whatever doesn't matter um, and if you want to do background layers and things like that again go for whatever you can afford but I think it's worth investing in say three primary colors of artist quality oil um, sorry artist quality acrylic paint purely because you're getting a lot more pigment to binder ratio and then you can go and buy mediums such as a clear painting medium, a matte medium, a gel medium, a thinning medium. There's so many mediums out there and it's much better to add a medium to the concentrated version of your high quality paint to make it go further than the other way around. It's a bit like buying pre-diluted sort of squash. Um, what do you call squash here? Cordial. Like yeah. imagine pre-diluted um, drink versus the kind of 
cordial or squash, like on the concentrated version. It's much easier and better to take the concentrated version and add water to it. It goes much further than trying to, you know, than thinking, oh, it's good value to buy this big bottle of like um, pre-diluted drink, but you can't undilute that. Like Mm. it's already diluted. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it is very much the same with oil. Just substitute what Phoebe said for acrylic binder for oil binder. Um, You've done a really good job of explaining that there. And I do think having the possibility of having a really concentrated colour um, is really well I find it really important for my work mm. and I just the other I think benefit of buying an artist quality from a good brand is that you can almost guarantee that that color will be the same time upon time yeah. upon time yeah so they you know a lot of these brands go back hundreds of years and have used the same and produced the same colors again and again yeah um, so it's that consistency as well as having a really high quality product I think that mm-hmm. yeah I'm not yeah, going and it's just go less on, is more isn't it didn't. then you can just use a tiny yeah. bit and add to it um rather than you know you and it it, it, it's hard to sort of get used to that I think at the beginning to just you know you only need to squeeze out like a uh, pea-sized amount perhaps and add medium to it um and that's why I use a, a stay wet palette when I'm using my acrylic paint um because that keeps that acrylic from drying out and I also really like using a it's called a retarder um which is a slow drying medium so it just slightly slows down the drying time of acrylic paint even though i really like (laughs) the fast um the fast drying aspect of acrylic paint there is sometimes a time where i want this to not be as fast so i'll just add a tiny drop of this retarder to it just to take that drying time down a little bit and i think one thing just to be mindful of with all of that is that with a lot of oil painting mediums i'm not sure with acrylic ones a lot of the advice is don't use more than 25 percent medium yeah, to paint ratio same. just to keep yeah, yeah, the yeah. integrity of the paint together um yeah a lot of people would sort of say to me oh but why not just use water why would you why would you buy a medium like a painted clear painting medium when you could just use water and this is a bit like if you go I take you back to that analogy of the bowl full of marbles and honey if I was you know if I've got my bowl and it's packed full of marbles high quality paint and it's just held together with just enough honey that it's you know concentrated if I'm adding but um a painting medium to that that's like me adding more honey if I'm adding water to that that actually breaks down the integrity of the honey and it loses its um, ability to the, for, for the molecules to bind together. And you'll notice that if you paint over a large area using paint that's been watered down too much, you'll get a kind of granulation effect where the pigment, um, they, they sort of, they, they've separated apart from the binder and you won't get that uniformed colour. Yeah. Whereas if you use a binder, it helps to keep the integrity of the paint so that the pigment stays evenly spaced. So those marbles are all kind of stuck together rather than sliding all over the shop to the edges. That's a fantastic analogy and an explanation. And the same would go with for using solvent and medium. Thank you very much, Julie. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I really like that. In my head, I was like, <laughs> that is probably one of the better visual um, <laughs> analogies I've heard about how to explain paint and fillers and stuff I like them Mm, I think it's 
something you can play with as well like some people would like that effect and I quite have in the past sort of um you know played into that and used lots of water with my paint to create that kind of granulation effect and give a really nice sort of different surface to the underpainting particularly when I was doing um, abstract landscapes and things like that because um it it changes the nature of the paint so you can lean into that if that's the effect you Mm. want but it's really important to be aware of how a binder works with a pigment and the more you add the more unstable those pigments are going to become but just adding you know 20 percent 25 percent um you can really push the paint further your use of the paint further you can get maximum amount of coverage and it can look no different you know compared to just using the neat amount so yeah yeah. cool with acrylics is there a matte medium to use for blending yes there is um golden and Lictex both do a matte medium and it does not add sheen it has matte mattifying particles in the medium which will take the sheen away from your acrylic paint so you just need to look for matte medium i can put a couple in the show notes um oh i did want to mention this is uh my things i did this week which kind of is relevant here um i talking of fast drying paint and not liking um the slowness of acrylic of oil sorry um i made my own mile stick this week which i'm very proud of (laughs) and it's only taken me a whole year to um finally make one of these and what i think it will mean is i'm actually gonna have to make another one because it's it's quite a budget but having a mile stick a mile stick is like a stick that kind of rests on the top of your canvas or um easel so that it gives a kind of surface uh for your hand to rest against so that you can steady your hand and paint fine details and things without your hand resting on the canvas and I, I think one of the main reasons that I like acrylic paint is that I rest my hand on the canvas all the time without realising it. And recently, I've found that um, because I'm painting slightly bigger painting, paintings, I have been accidentally resting my hand on the canvas in areas that are still not quite dry. And I messed up the background of uh, almost finished painting because I did I did that. I didn't realize I had some like of one mm. color on my hand and I put it down on another section and I transferred that color and I was very <laughs> upset with myself because <laughs> it meant I had to repaint this entire background. And that's when I thought I need I really need to make a mile stick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have and to so put I some did. photos in the um in the newsletter. And it has made a difference and I can't believe that it took me <laughs> like a whole year <laughs> to make it. So there's a fail for you. You can buy them, I think, pre-made, but um, a DIY version seems to be entirely as successful. Okay, got any quotes, Julie? Uh, no, I don't. This week, I'm sorry. I was, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I failed, failed to find a quote. Okay, well, I've got a quote. Um, it's by Arthur Ashe, and it is, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And I think that was perfect for perfect for today's episode because I think you, I fell down the rabbit hole of thinking that you needed to have everything sometimes in order to do things well, but actually 
you can just start out with three or four colors, a couple of paintbrushes, and just get to work. <laughs> So I've got a fail here from Anna Johnson, and so her fail is as, I was commissioned to illustrate a home for a friend's mother. She sent me the address, so I went to photograph it. I had a walk around the property and decided I liked the back, angle, the back angle best, just assuming that the second driveway was another <laughs> entrance. Sorry? I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because I just read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> just assuming that the second driveway was another entrance and stupidly not noticing the letterbox had a different number. Anyway, I proceeded to spend around 20 hours illustrating the home in great detail. It was only when I went to send her a picture of her fin of the finished image that it dawned on me that I'd drawn the wrong house. <laughs> Luckily, my client was an old friend who couldn't have been nicer about it. She ended up commissioning me for her mother's actual house as well as purchasing the wrong house at 50% off to have them as a set. So it all worked out in the end. Oh my god! Oh man, that is so what I would do. Like I can, I can so imagining, I can so imagine spending twenty hours painting the wrong house. <laughs> so this is coming out to you today on the where depending where you are, the fourth or the fifth of April, and you may have decided to join in on our April for Artists twenty twenty three challenge. Yeah, if you have joined in on that we are going to be looking forward to seeing and sharing some of your uh, posts on instagram do make sure that you use the hashtag um, april for artists 2023 when you share your work um, and tag us at fail like an artist as well so that we can see what you're up to um it's i don't want to call it a challenge because i feel like challenge sounds challenging <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to do anything that's challenging life's hard enough um i kind of we want to sort of see it as a kind of um invitation to take part in a kind of sharing more about yourself on instagram getting a bit braver and just mainly to give you some ideas because i think a lot of people struggle with coming up with ideas on what yeah. to post so this was just a framework of 30 prompts that you can dip in and out of as and when you feel up to it over the month and then beyond you know you've got that there mm. um we'll put a pop it in this week's show notes um and newsletter as well in case you missed it last week and don't feel like you need to post every day like dip in and no. out i certainly won't yeah. be doing every day i'll do my best but i'm not gonna yeah i just wanted to give you 30 yeah ideas and we wanted to make sure that it was a range of things so that you know some of them won't appeal to you perhaps but others will but by all means, if you want to do every single day and you do 30 days, fantastic! you will win a imaginary gold coin prize yeah. of a tiny star that you can pop on your Everyone lapel. loves a gold star. Yeah. It's imaginary, but you will get that. Have a go. Join in with us. We will be doing some of the days and we will be sharing them over on the flap page. So, yeah, just wanted to pop that in there. And, um, yeah, thank you so much to everyone who has... Uh, rated and reviewed followed us on instagram shared in your stories etc etc donated on ko-fi we appreciate you all very very much yeah thank you all so much it's so lovely to see and julie where can they find you you can find me over at julie batisti on instagram and facebook or juliebatisti.com on the interwebs you can and... find Phoebe over at <laughs> you can find me at phoebe gander art on instagram and facebook and phoebegander.com on the interwebs you can find and... their podcast over at fail like an artist on instagram is the main place where we are really yeah yeah 
we love all the messages we apologize if we can't always get back to every single one of you we have now got quite a lot coming in all the time so it's like another another job it's great (laughs) keeping us busy um okay lovely to chat to you today julie hope this was an interesting episode uh hit us up with your questions etc when we pop this one on instagram uh, to keep the conversation going uh, we'll speak to you soon and we will be in your ears next week cool. until then alright see you Julie see you. keep paling bye, bye. <laughs>